0: Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Settner Geology Podcast. Conveniently, I'm Nick Settner. Thank you for listening. This is episode number 62, Ciletsia and Yakutat. All right, well, how we doing? Have you heard of either of those things? Yakutat? That's up in Alaska. Ciletsia? That's down here in the lower 48. That's Western Washington and Western Oregon. And yes, I'm still talking about two months ago. But this uh, exotic terrain session, why, called Selezia, was episode 100, <laughs> Nick from Home, episode 100, uh, those live streams. And uh, Uh, Y means we're close to the end of the alphabet, and Y is really the last uh, show where I was doing new stuff. Uh, Episode Z, uh, a couple days later, must have been December 13th, was just putting it all together, and I was taking a fruitcake and cutting it up and putting it back together and trying magnets and all sorts of props that may or may not have worked. But um, um, this is kind of a... A watershed moment, I guess, with our little audio podcast series here. So, let me give you a little preamble, as is the case these days, right? Uh, let me give you a couple minutes on where we are and where I think we might be going. And I, I, I mentioned this very briefly last time, if you listen to the last episode. I think I'm done looking back, and I think I'm ready to look forward. Uh, You know, we've all been in this holding pattern for months and months. Some are still in a severe holding pattern, a lockdown I'm talking about. Here in Washington, things are looking up. The weather's starting to improve. We had all this snow and ice, but the sun is out this morning. We're going to melt all that ice off the sidewalk, and we're going to get rid of the icicles hanging off the roof. And um, My wife and I... Got our first vaccine shots a couple weeks ago. We're scheduled to get our second dose uh, in early March. So we're actually starting to think about a little bit of travel, flying down to Arizona to visit my mother, who's wintering for the first time away from Wisconsin. Uh, She's got both of her doses, and uh, we're even going to try to go down to Portland this coming weekend to visit a couple of our boys. So we haven't really traveled at all for a long, long time, except for little day trips here in central Washington. And so I genuinely hope that you can uh, find that level of hope and um, feel like the tide is turning somehow. We all know that there are days where we just don't feel like we're ever going to get away from this. And it's deeply disturbing. And then there's other days where you... You're brave enough and you're hopeful enough to to look ahead. So that's where I am today, and I hope that uh, we can all get there eventually. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, in in my own little world here, things are looking up and uh, looking ahead. And therefore, with the audio series, I'm going to do the same sort of thing. I did go back and watch a significant portion of that Selezia live stream taped on uh, December 11th. And uh, there was a lot packed into that one. I was particularly loose and had uh, files, uh, f- uh, file folders of loose papers. I couldn't find half the papers. I was freelancing like a maniac. But at the same time, uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff there. I know that sounds cocky, but whatever. I, that was a good That was a good episode. And so I'm going to slow down and kind of parse that out because I'm almost sure that I'm going to do a new series of live streams or at least a new series of something, maybe not live, I don't know, on uh, the most recent 50 million years of time. And if we're to today's topic, and we are, so let's see, in, in Yekutat, uh, We're talking about fifty million years ago, and there's a lot going on. That's a crazy amount of stuff going on here in the uh, Pacific Northwest about fifty million years ago. The headline is Celestia, but there's (laughs) I just kept thinking, okay, I got it, I got it. As I'm watching this session, why? You might go back and watch that one if you're looking for a decent show. That's maybe some of the best. Maybe that's some of the best stuff I can offer. I know that sounds ridiculous to say, but boy, you know there's a lot there, and uh, I think it was presented uh, in a semi-coherent manner. So I'm not going to do all of what was presented in that session 100, but I want to kind of do the basics right now and then just keep coming back to some of these concepts, and I think my plan is that in the next few weeks, I'm going to dive back into the literature and... um, as I mentioned last time, out loud, and I think I'm serious about it now. I'll learn some new stuff, and I'll I'll share it with you guys first, the audio listeners, and then eventually I'll say enough stuff out loud where I feel like I have what I want to uh, to roll. That's the that's the current thinking. Okay, so let's get into it. Celestia, have you heard of Celestia? I think if you scour the literature, the scientific papers from 20 years ago. I'm not sure you see the word ciletsia. So it's kind of a quote-unquote new thing. But the work on ciletsia is not new. This goes back at least a generation, maybe more. So what are we talking about? Well, if you go to western Oregon and you find a bunch of basalt between 56 and 48 million years old, and actually maybe it's more than basalt, but I think the dominant uh, rock type is basalt, Those are called the Siletz River volcanics in western Oregon, 56 to 48. Then you cross the border north into Washington. There's a bunch more of that basalt. It's 56 to 48 million years old, and that's mapped as the Crescent Basalt, most famously exposed uh, in a portion of the Olympic Peninsula near Bremerton, Washington, and Port Angeles, and Hurricane Ridge, the beautiful road going up into the guts of Olympic National Park. Have you been there? And then we can go further north yet and cross the Strait of Juan de Fuca by ferry, and then we can get over to the southern tip of Vancouver Island, British Columbia, and there's more of that basalt, 58 to 40, excuse me, 56 to 48, called the Michosan Basalt or the Michosan Basalt. Okay, so all that stuff together is called Ciletsia. Those are the Ciletsia basalts. Again, Siletz River in Oregon, Crescent in Washington, Matosan or Machosan in British Columbia, all of it together, Siletzia. The Siletzia basalts began erupting 56 million years ago and stopped erupting 48 million years ago. Okay, who cares? Well, first of all, it wasn't erupted here. Those lavas did not bury Washington, Oregon, in the southern tip of Vancouver Island. Instead the Cilicia basalts for sure erupted out in the Pacific Ocean. Hey, man, an exotic terrain. In fact, the most recent exotic terrain, the last exotic terrain to arrive, the last piece of the fruitcake assembled. Now, this is confusing right off the bat because, and again, I'm doing the screen grab thing, so I was holding up different maps A lot of custom maps in that uh, session, that live stream session next to the piano. Um, If you look at the map that I shared, I kind of plotted the Cilicia basalts, which I just described to you, and then I also included all the flood basalts of eastern Washington and eastern Oregon. I mean, it's just basalt. It all looks about the same, so we got to make sure we don't mix those two concepts. The Columbia River basalts, the flood basalts that we have discussed a number of times earlier in this series, started erupting about seventeen million years ago, and the lion's share of that flood basalt material came out 16 million, 16, 16 million years ago. out of these impressive fissures. Uh, in eastern or far eastern, damn near Idaho, essentially. That's far too young and a much simpler story involving fissure style eruptions that truly flooded and buried significant portions of the Pacific Northwest. What I'm trying to say is let's not uh, confuse at all, please, the Selezia basalts, 56 to 48 and the Columbia River basalt's 16. Even though, if you are downriver of Portland, on both sides of the river, you got a bunch of basalt that's 16 million year old sitting directly on top of Cilicia basalt, which is 56 to 48. So it's a lot of basalt, but uh, two completely different stories. And the biggest is is that the uh, Columbia River basalt lavas are native to North America and flooded North America. And as I just said a second ago, we've got this Cilicia basalt, which was for sure not created here, created out in the water. All right, let's be a little bit more specific then. Created out in the water, what does that mean? Well, we do want to visualize a large igneous province for Cilicia. More than 10 times the volume of basalt in Cilicia and Yakutat compared to the volume in the Columbia River Basalts. You following me? I mean, you know, I'm guilty as the next person presenting that the CRBs, the Columbia River Basalts in eastern Washington, are this incredible pile of basalts. Blah, blah, blah. It's a huge story. I can't believe it. Oh, my lord. It's a cupcake compared to the Um, size and scale of the the true German chocolate cake, which is out there in the water. So let's see. Large igneous province. Okay. Well, not all of the large igneous province is here in in the Pacific Northwest, in Washington and Oregon. A sizable portion. Like half of that large igneous province is not here. It's up in Alaska. That's the Yakutat. Y A -A K-U-T-A-T. I suppose it's in the title of the episode. Yakutat. So now we got to do some Alaskan mapping, which I don't know I don't know much about. And then do a bunch of comparing between the Yakutat and the Siletsia. Good news, that's been done. And it all checks out. It's the same stuff. 56 to 48. Isotopic signatures. Uh, pillow zones where the Cilicia, Large igneous province was erupting under the water of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, some columnar basalt in Silesia slash Yakutat that uh, those columns show that, they, that we were definitely above water. So this is not just a oceanic plateau that stays beneath the waves of the Pacific. We are sure that this Monster pile of basalt. You can't really call it a shield volcano. I mean, it's it's the size of Iceland. It's the size bigger than Iceland, maybe. I don't know. But just like Iceland, it's above sea level as well. And we're gonna find uh, why not right now. We're gonna find more parallels between Iceland. I think we want Iceland. Do you know the geology of Iceland? Do you know the look of Iceland? Do you know the tectonic setting of Iceland in the in the North Atlantic? that's exactly what we want for I'm just going to say Celesy even though we know half of it is Silesia and half is Yakutat right So I'm picking Iceland and I'm not the first to do this but I'm picking Iceland because there's other similarities so we want to visualize Iceland in the Pacific offshore of the Pacific Northwest including the tectonic, Set up. What do I mean? Well, most famously, Iceland sits astride the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, or sits on the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. It sits astride two tectonic plates, oceanic tectonic plates, that are moving away from each other. They're divergent, correct? Iceland has the, the what, the, the eastern half of the island of Iceland is part of the Eurasian plate heading east, And the western half of the island of Iceland is the North American plate heading west. And as we know, and this is very interesting and uh, uh, I keep saying famous, I don't know what else to say. Everybody doing Geology 101 talks about Iceland because you've got this rift running right down the middle of the island and there's brand new basalts coming out along that rift and then the basalts solidify into, or the the, the mafic magma solidifies into basalt and then you split that batch of new stuff in half, half goes with one plate, half goes with the other and you just continue to generate new ocean crust in the middle of Iceland and you you maintain this island uh, but you're recycling uh, basalt through the island essentially. Well, everybody agrees, who studied Silesia and Yakutat, that that was the story off the coast of the Pacific Northwest, you guessed it, 56 to 48 million years ago. We had our own Iceland in the Northeast Pacific, off the coast of the Pacific Northwest, specifically off the coast of Northern California, not due west of Washington but due west of, I don't know, northern California, due west of weed, (laughs) California. But I think you're hearing what I'm saying. We're sure, I think we are, let's say it this way, most everybody who reconstructs Cilicia 56 million years ago has it on a spreading ridge just like Iceland is on a spreading ridge. So I just told you, I don't. Th- I think you already knew this, I just told you the names of the tectonic plates diverging at Iceland. Let me tell you the names of the two tectonic plates diverging at Silesia, or do you know them? Can you picture this spreading ridge, first of all, that Silesia is sitting on, and can I give you, now this is debatable now, but can I, can I give you an idea for the orientation of that spreading ridge. I think I can. Uh, I think it's safe just to say northeast-southwest. The trend of the spreading ridge in the North Pacific, where Silesia is parked and created, the trend of that spreading ridge is northeast-southwest. So if we follow that spreading ridge far enough to the northeast, we're going to have it intersect with North America. That's a... I don't know if I'm going to toss that into this episode or we'll save it for the next. Okay, but we have this Iceland scene including the oceanic Kula plate heading to the north-ish and the Farallon plate heading to the south. Are you ahead of me? Why is this episode called Selezia and Yakutat? Well... Half of this Iceland, quote-unquote, is now beneath western Washington and western Oregon. The other half of this, quote-unquote, Iceland is up in southeast Alaska. And it's still being accreted, by the way. At least Silesia is over. Sorry. At least the accretion of Silesia is done. Why not? Let's give you that. We've got good dates based on Michael Eddy, Ray Wells, and a few others who have done some detailed work in the folds and faults inland of the accretion of Silesia, including some key places uh, within Silesia and the margin of Silesia. You remember our exotic terrain discussions. We have always have two dates when we talk about an exotic terrain, correct? The first date is... When are you going to make the terrain? When are you going to make the bedrock of the terrain? In the case of Silesia and Yakutat, again, that's 56 to 48. But we need another set of dates to talk about when are we going to add the thing. That's different. Students always screw that up on exams. I've never understood why. They just memorize numbers, I guess, without really knowing what they're memorizing. The accretion of Ciletsia is very well defined, at least here in western Washington and Oregon. 51 to 49. The accretion of Ciletsia, 51 to 49. The age of the basalt of Ciletsia, 56 to 48. So, yeah, the thing's still erupting as it's being accreted. That's kind of cool. Maybe, hmm, is that true? Maybe a majority of the basalt has already been erupted. I'm guessing that's the story. I don't really know that to be true. So maybe the eruptions are kind of whimpering, and coming coming to a close as it's being accreted. But nonetheless, uh, it has been accreted to western Washington and Oregon, but the other half of our own private Iceland, Gus Van Zandt, still has an oceanic plate driving it north or northeast possibly and is still being accreted actively to southeast Alaska. That's the Akatat terrain. Okay. I'm hesitating because I don't I'm looking at the time. I want to to know where to naturally break off our discussion here today. I hope you're enjoying this one. If you know the Yakutat area or, uh, you know, inboard of that is the Chugash, we'll save that for another day. Okay, well, I I think I've decided. Um, The last topic this morning is... Well, why? Why did we have that Iceland? Why, what was so special about one place on that spreading ridge? By the, so, so let me say it this way. So we're, we're, we're confident there was a spreading ridge that Silesia slash Yucatán was sitting on because we have these two halves of this thing separated by miles and miles between Alaska and the Pacific Northwest. Actually, you know what? Now that I say that, can't you bring all of Selezia in at once and have one giant loaf of sourdough bread? And then can't you break off half of it once it's been accreted? Hmm. Maybe that is the current thinking. Okay, I just decided... So we're going to revisit why we think there was a spreading ridge uh, next time. How about that? I just caught myself in a little... uh, Yeah, I'm thinking as I'm talking. Dangerous. Let's save that for next time. Why do we know that there was a spreading ridge? Part of the Silesia-Yakutat story. But what I do want to hammer before we quit is... Maybe 10 years ago, it was an idea, and now it's pretty well firmly established. Like the evidence that's been collected in the last decade is really pretty much nailed down the idea that the Yellowstone hotspot. If you've seen some of my other stuff, you've already heard this. The Yellowstone hotspot, 56 million years ago, was the main driver, was the main heat source to create Silesia, as is the story with, this is on my list, by the way, um, large igneous provinces, just in general around the world, these large oceanic plateaus, seems like there's a hotspot responsible for all those. I don't know know how else you create so much basalt in a relatively short amount of time in an ocean basin. I don't know how you do that without a hotspot, without a mantle plume. And so there there appears to be a connection between large igneous provinces and hotspots. And I'm saying that this topic today, we got it as well. The surprise to many who are um, kind of casually interested in geology, I suppose, is that everybody knows Yellowstone. Everybody knows that place in the Rocky Mountains where there's a plateau and there's all sorts of weird stuff going on with hot geysers and Mud pots boiling and steam and smells like rotten eggs. and you know, Yellowstone National Park, the whole thing, the first national park in the world. And there's a heat source beneath that. That's the Yellowstone hotspot. That's the mantle plume. Yeah, that's it. That's the Yellowstone hotspot. It's in frickin' Wyoming. But we now have a good sense that these mantle plumes are stationary, that they're fixed, that they are not moving around the surface of the planet. The plates are moving over the top of these fixed mantle plumes, but it's looking like, I'm no geophysicist, but it's looking like these mantle plumes are fixed. And so the trick, are you willing to do this with me before we quit this morning? Can we take that fixed Heat source underneath the Rocky Mountains today in Yellowstone park let 's not move it, but let's start going back in time. Five million years ago, the hot spot hasn 't moved, but North america oh, how can I do this for you verbally? <laughs> I think some of you know what I'm trying to do here. Uh, I was going to try to go back in time, but I, I think that's counterintuitive, at least without, without any diagrams for us to look at. I'll say it this way. 56 million years ago, a fixed heat source called the Yellowstone hotspot was, uh, let's make up a number, 200 miles off the coast of Northern California. The Yellowstone hotspot was out in the Pacific ocean, was creating Silesia slash Yakutat, and many liked the idea that it was a Yellowstone hotspot at a spreading ridge. Again, ding, 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 just like Iceland today. Iceland today is at the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, and there is a hotspot also there. And that generally explains why Iceland is above sea level, and everything else on the Mid-Atlantic Ridge is below water. Okay, so back to our story we have the Yellowstone Hotspot 56 million years ago. This blowtorch gets started. That's a whole nother discussion. Why? What was going on before 56 million years ago? Is the Yellowstone hotspot there? Did we have a Yellowstone hotspot 70 million years ago, 80 million years ago? We don't? We do? What? Don't know. But we start creating Silesia slash Yakutat 56 million years ago with the Yellowstone hotspot at the Spreading Ridge out in the Pacific. And then to finish the story, what do we do? Keep that hotspot where it is. But we start moving North America to the Southwest. And that's continental crust that's going to override the oceanic material. In other words, the ocean crust is going to subduct as it deals with this southwestward drifting raft of thick continental crust that's going to inco- kind of creep into our field of view as we're, you know, we're, this might work. if let's, let's hover up above. Can we make an animation for ourselves in, fairy, in fantasy land? You and I are hovering up above the water of the the Northeast Pacific 56 million years ago, and we see this incredible oceanic plateau emerging from the depths. And that oceanic plateau is no longer an oceanic plateau. It's actually going to become an island. I don't know what animals are, are living 56 million years ago, but whatever animals those are living in the water, they're... Some of them are creeping up on land, some iguanas or some bullshit, I don't know. But in our animation, uh uh-oh, what's in our, we got good peripheral vision, right? We're linebackers. Let's look around. Let's get our head on a swivel. Uh Uh-oh, what's up there in the upper right? What's that coming into our field of view from the northeast, from the upper right, as we're hovering above Ciletsia? God dang, it's the North American plate. The North American plate moving southwest and inching its way, two inches a year, inching its way into our field of view from the upper right, from the northeast, and drifting to the southwest. This is going to work. Let's keep going. Let's keep drifting the North American plate, continental crust. We get more and more of it in our animation. It keeps drifting to the southwest the distance between the fixed Yellowstone hotspot out there in the Pacific, the distance between that Yellowstone hotspot and the edge of the North American continent gets narrower and narrower. That distance gets shorter and shorter with each passing year, with each passing million years. Until about 50 million years ago, when the Yellowstone hotspot starts disappearing beneath the North American continent. And the Yellowstone hotspot's been underneath the North American continent for 50 million years. You know what? Now, I just, now I'm just i just starting to wonder something. See, this is what I mean. This is, this is maybe what we're going to do for the next, I don't know, a dozen or more uh, audio podcast episodes. I try stuff out here and I start running into problems. When exactly, this is me talking to you now, thinking out loud. Not sure I've really thought about this till right now. This is a good exercise. When exactly did that hotspot drift beneath North America? I guess you say fifty million years ago because we know the age of accretion of Selezia is fifty-one to forty-nine million years. But I'm hesitating because I'm wondering hmm, if we keep Selezia on the spreading ridge, then the spread then the Cilicia is not going to be drifting towards North America as North America is coming towards it, right? If, if, the hot, if the Yellowstone hotspot is clearly at the mid-Atlantic... Oh, shit. Is clearly at the spreading ridge, then we're, then we're going to have the Yellowstone hotspot slipping beneath the continent precisely at the same time as we accrete Cilicia. Again, that's roughly 50 million years ago. But the part I'm... I guess I'll put this... To, uh, I better start making a little list... A little to-do list, is to look carefully at the animations that Ray Wells has put together and others and those papers and those diagrams and try to see if, if there are some reconstructions that show not only the Yellowstone hotspot creating Ciletsia, but getting mostly onto one ocean plate versus it continues to straddle on the spreading ridge. And maybe Ciletsia is, is working its way towards North America before it gets accreted. If that's true, just play along with me. If that's true, that Cilicia is sent on an ocean floor raft and that ocean floor raft is is closing the gap faster as North America comes into our frame, then we're going to have the Yellowstone hotspot slip underneath the North American continent younger than 50. Is anybody following what I'm saying? This is the advantage of the live stream thing. You can actually pause and just get some real-time comments from people. It doesn't work quite well, quite as well here. Huh, have to work on that. My hunch is that we're going to keep it on the spreading ridge, and therefore this is a dumb discussion, this last five minutes. You've maybe already decided this is a dumb discussion, so much so that you're not listening right now. (laughs) God. All right, so what was I trying to do here today? I was trying to just lay out some basics involving the size, the scope of this oceanic plateau made out of basalt, much of which is in the Pacific Northwest, but a large portion of which is up in Alaska. And this is just the beginning of trying to come up with some very specific evidence and therefore some very specific maps and animations that talk about this tremendously exciting time in the history of the Pacific Northwest. And like I said, if if this becomes a new live stream series, great. If I back off of that, Uh, But I stick to my Geology 351 class. By the way, that's what I'm teaching in the spring. Registration time is now, and the CW students are picking their classes for the spring quarter, which begins in late March and runs through early June. And my Geology 351, which is Pacific Northwest Geology, I usually have about 15 juniors and seniors in the geology program, and we always pick a theme. Uh, and I think the theme is going to be this, this Eocene time. Um, and so I'm going to be working anyway with those concepts. And I'm just actively trying to think of how I might include the live stream audience or my YouTube channel somehow with that Geology 351. Very early on trying to think about that. But my point is, this is probably where, what I'm doing with you right now is probably how I will start that class in that live stream series if I ever get to that point so this is very helpful for me you're kind of a sounding board I don't know if you're up for that role I don't know, maybe you prefer hearing stuff from me after I've figured it all out the way I want to present it and it's the recap thing I don't know, whatever um, yeah that's where we are today Pretty a pretty rough one this morning kind of sputtering, not quite sure what I'm doing, and I guess you can look forward to more sputtering and uncertainty down the road with the next energyology podcast coming into your ears uh, from a laptop computer in the basement of a private residence in Ellensburg, Washington, USA. Hey, thank you for listening to this. Thank you for listening to all of these episodes. And brace yourself for more uncertainty, weirdness, and roughness coming down the road. I love you, thank you, and goodbye.